How can the Mariners get a more consistent Robbie Ray in 2023? Who are the lead dogs in Seattle's bullpen? We'll answer that and more on today's mailbag episode of Locked On Mariners. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Monday, February 6, 2023. This is Ted Gonzalez and Colby Patton for the Locked On Mariners podcast, brought to you by FanDuel, the official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. And thank you so much for making us your first listen. Subscribe, like, and turn on alerts if you're watching on YouTube, or subscribe and leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform if you like what you hear. And if you want to hear from us even more, please consider signing up for our Patreon, the link as well as our social account is in the description below it is mailbag monday the show where we answer some of your mariners and occasionally non mariners questions let's just get right into these starting with michael who wants to know what does robbie ray need to do to consistently perform at a high level this coming season and how confident are you that he will get back on track so colby i think for ray in order for him to find success more consistently uh, then in comparison to this past year, it's really about getting that slider more consistent and getting more value out of that slider consistently, right? Yeah, the, the slider kind of uh, sinks or swims Robbie Ray, so to speak. He's only a two-pitch pitcher. Um, I know he mixed in the two-seamer last year. That started to be less effective as we got further down the year. He doesn't really have a changeup or a curveball, so it's fastball slider. And he's been pretty successful with just that combination for most of his career, even won a a Cy Young with that combination. Uh, So, yeah, it comes down to the fastball and the slider. It'd be nice to see the velo go back up to where it was. Um, You know, it was pretty low early in the year, and then towards the middle, it was was still below what he would normally was throwing, but it it was adequate enough. So really what it comes down to is he has to get the slider. It was really flat at the end of last year. It wasn't. A lot of it, it didn't have the two two tier break, right? It, it just kind of spun and, and slightly moved. It was basically a really bad cutter. And you combine that with the lack of fastball command towards the end of the year, and it just torpedoed, you know, his his rebound essentially, because really from May until about August, Robbie Ray was really good. He was he was Robbie Ray. You know, he had 118 innings pitched. He had a 3.34 ERA, a 3.80 FIP. Um, opponents were hitting 2.11 with a 2.84 on base. Um, you know, and and he had 149 strikeouts in 118 innings. So, for a vast majority of last year, he was exactly what you want and think Robbie Ray can be. It was just he had a rough uh, month of April and he had a really rough uh, September and, and October. So. Um, yeah, it, it's all about the slider. Uh, when he has the slider, he's still a very good pitcher. He can still strike a lot of guys out. He can still get deep into games. So I guess to answer the second part of the question, I'm pretty darn confident that Robbie Ray is going to get back to, to being a three-win pitcher. Um, I mean, like even last year, even with two and a half months that were just terrible, mm-hmm. he was still you know, a two-and-a-half-win player. So, uh, yep. yeah, I feel pretty good about it. Yes, uh, I, I so do I. I, I think he's going to get back on track this year. I think the you know the off season's break uh, will allow him to kind of uh, revert back to neutral here and work on some things. And uh, you know the fact that you know he's been willing 
uh, to kind of reinvent himself, even on the fly. We saw this past year where he re-implemented the, the two-seamer, and I'm really interested to see how much, if at all, that pitch gets implemented into his game plan this year. Uh, is it still a thing that sticks around? Because he's kind of gone off and on. It's been an off and on relationship with that pitch for Robbie Ray. So uh, really interested to see that. But yeah, again, it's just all about getting that that slider back on track. Because if you get that slider back on track, you get Robbie Ray back on track. And that's the most important thing here. All right. Yeah. Next question comes from Jamie, who wants to know, what do you think of Julio batting leadoff? I think it's fine for 2023, but long term, they need to find a leadoff bat and move Julio back to the number three spot. So we talk about this quite a bit, uh, the leadoff spot, how we value the leadoff spot, how we think that uh, spot should be utilized in general. I'm of the belief, and I, I think you're on the, the save wave, uh, wavelength here, Colby, that uh, you should have your best hitter hit leadoff because statistically speaking, he's going to get the most at-bats. And you want your best hitter to get the most at bats. And Julio, for his speed as well, he's kind of a traditional leadoff guy plus power. He's a unicorn, right? So I have no issue with him being the number one hitter in the order. Yeah, does it uh, not create scoring opportunities for him the first time through, through the order? Sure. But every time after that, he's going to get opportunities as long as the bottom <laughs> of your order is producing. So uh, he'll get his opportunities to drive and runs. That's not really an issue for me. And at the end of the day, he's guaranteed to get the most at bats on the, on the team. So unless they were able to add an elite on base guy, and I'm talking like of the caliber of Brandon Nemo here. And, you know, we talked about this a little bit when we were talking about Nemo as a fit this off season. Unless they get someone like that, someone that's that quality, I'm not even thinking twice about having Julio as the leadoff man in my lineup. Yeah, I guess I just wonder why he has to be number three. And, like, why not number two? It's the tr it's the traditional power hitting, you know, uh, right, spot but in the order, but yeah. To me, any any lineup where Julio is in the game, but he's not hitting first or second, is a non-maximized lineup. He probably should be hitting leadoff. But if you want to say, hey, we have this guy who's a really good on base guy, we'll put him leadoff, and then we can have Julio hit behind him to give him some RB RBI opportunity, fine. Like I, I get that. If you go acquire Brian Reynolds and he's putting up a 360 on base percentage and you say Reynolds is going to lead off and Julio is going to hit second, fine. But if you're not going to do that, like who, who would hit leadoff this year? Colton Wong. Colton Wong against righties? Maybe yeah, like, yeah. It, it, do you really feel good about Colton Wong as your leadoff getting the most at bats on this team out of anybody? Yeah. You shouldn't. So Ty France doesn't make sense in that spot. It just Julio is the best guy for that job. He doesn't need to hit three. You need to get the bat in his hands as much as possible. And even if the Mariners go out and they add two Teoscar Hernandez level bats at the deadline, Julio should still be hitting first or second. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't sound like a lot, but the difference between hitting first and third in a season is about 50 at bats, 50 plate appearances. Do you want Julio to have 50 more plate appearances or 50 fewer plate appearances? It's, 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 it kind of adds up. So yeah, to me, he's the leadoff guy. Um, and I would keep him yeah. there for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Um, absolutely. I'm not even, again, like I said, I'm not even thinking twice about that. I'm, I'm just going with it because again, like you pointed out here, who's the other guy on the roster right now yeah if they go out and inquire someone and again i'm talking about like of the same ilk 
of you know the Yandi Diaz's, the guys that get on base like at a 400 clip. You know, I'm talking like that. Outside of that, I have really no interest in taking Julio off of that spot. He's my best hitter. He's going to get opportunities to drive and run still. It doesn't matter. I just want him to get as many opportunities to swing the bat as possible because he's my driving force. He's the engine to this whole thing. So, yeah. Uh, All right. We got a few more questions to go over here in just a moment. But real quick, a reminder, this episode of Locked On Mariners is brought to you by FanDuel. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet on Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. Last time the Eagles were in the Super Bowl, Nick Foles, of course, caught a touchdown pass, and right now a touchdown reception by any quarterback this Sunday sits at plus 5,000 on FanDuel. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. And you're listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast. It's Mailbag Monday. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Let's get back into these questions here, Colby. Starting with three foot nine. After having such a great year in 2021, we haven't heard you guys really mention Casey Sadler as any sort of option for making the final 26 or his injuries from last year that concerning going into 2023. It's it's not really a concern. It's just a it's a big question mark, right? I have no idea uh, what to say really in, in terms of Sadler's ability to make the twenty six man roster right now because I just we haven't seen him pitch. We don't know for sure if he's going to be able to pitch right away. We had him on the show a few weeks ago and he said that he will be, but we don't know if the organization also agrees with that sentiment. So uh, we don't really know where he is right now in his timeline. Um, he says that he's throwing. He's you know full participant, all that stuff. So that's great. Uh, and I hope so. Uh, but yeah, until I see him in spring and until I see him being able to consistently throw, especially coming off of shoulder surgery, that's a really difficult injury mm-hmm. and procedure to come back from as a pitcher, especially, you know, not even a year removed from it. And to get back to where he was in 2021, that's asking a lot. That's asking a lot. I just, I don't know right now if Sadler is one of the eight best relievers in the Mariners organization right now. And, and, you know, all due respect to Casey, I put my money on that not being the case at the moment until I see him, until he changes my mind, essentially. <clears throat> right. You got you have to earn it, right? And and what mm-hmm. Casey Sadler did two years ago doesn't matter at all, right? He doesn't get the benefit of the doubt because he was really good two years ago. It doesn't matter to the Seattle Mariners. They they don't care because again, like Ty mentioned, it's a shoulder injury. That's a very serious injury. Um, and he's trying to work his way back. So the 0.67 ERA or whatever it was, doesn't matter. He's got to go and he's got to out pitch guys like Justin Topa, who we know Jerry really likes. He's got to go out pitch guys like even uh, Bukowskis, uh, Bukowskis, who's stayed in the organization. I haven't been able to talk today either, so I, I don't yeah. know what's going on here. But he stayed in the organization, so our prospect ranks are still good, just That's for right. the record. That's but, right. Number uh, 23, baby. He's that's still right. here. <laughs> that's right. Isaiah Campbell, Travis Coon, like 
and not to mention the guys who are front runners right now, like Matt Festa and, and Penn Murphy. So he's yeah. got to outpitch all of those guys to find a spot, and and it's it's looking pretty tough. Uh, we'll see. I wouldn't put it past him. It's certainly a possibility, um, but I think a lot of people are, are like assuming that, like, oh, well, he walks in with that resume of having thrown a .670 ERA a few years ago, so he's got a really good shot. No, that's not a thing. That doesn't exist when you're coming off of a ma- major shoulder injury. Yeah, so hoping for the best for him. Uh, really mm-hmm. like Casey, um, and he was great in 2021, of course, um, and would love to have that that kind of arm in this bullpen. But again, I just I have to see it with my own eyes before you know, because again, he's on a minor league contract right now. There's a lot of guys that are on the 40 man roster. Um, that are vying for the same spot that he is. And there really is only like one or two spots available in that bullpen as long as everyone stays healthy. And now that's a big if, but still that's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a pretty uh, tall mountain for, for Sadler to climb, uh, this spring. And I kind of just wonder if it would be better for him to maybe start the year in AAA, kind of ease back into things. And then if he's pitching well and he feels good to, to get him on the major league roster, uh, eventually, you know, later on in the season. Right. All right. Next question here comes from Ant, uh, who asks, uh, early in a January episode, Colby mentioned that there was animosity between Kyle Seeger and the front office, specifically saying that Seeger had lied about them to the media. Do you mind elaborating on that for listeners unfamiliar with this situation? Colby? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so basically, you guys remember the the temper tantrum that, that Kyle Seeger threw? Uh, after the Kendall Graveman trade and then after the season when he said, oh, they never even tried to contact me. They didn't tell me they were going to decline the option. They just announced it before they told me. I haven't spoken to Jerry in four years. Uh, That's all BS. Like every single word of that is BS. Um, First of all, the Seattle Mariners don't owe Kyle Seeger an explanation for anything that they do, literally nothing. Uh, Kyle Seeger does not have the weight to throw around to think that he should be uh, consulted in, in deals that Jerry DePoto made none whatsoever. Uh, but the biggest issue was, is that from what we were told uh, Seeger was attempting to use his influence as a veteran in the clubhouse to persuade some of the younger players not to take, let's say, cause I don't want to get dinged by YouTube proper medical, uh, procedures to avoid getting uh, losing playing time due to the pandemic, right? Essentially he was going around saying, Hey, don't do this. I don't want you to do that. And the Mariners had an issue with that as they should, because it was Seager directly sticking his nose in a spot. It doesn't belong whatsoever. Kyle Seager should not be giving out medical advice period. Um, And that the Mariners didn't like that. Seager at that point was already pretty upset with the organization. We know this, um, then obviously you have the the Kendall Graveman trade where he went on the record, but not really, and blasted Jerry Depoto and the organization saying they don't care about winning. Um, Jerry's just it, up there playing fantasy baseball. Yeah, he's up there playing. Like, just called out Jerry. Uh, didn't put his name to it. Wasn't brave enough to put his name to it because Kyle yeah, Seager being Ryan, brave. Ryan, Ryan Divish confirmed it was him in the comments section of Lookout Landing, yeah. I think. Yeah. It was, it was Seager, right? So Seager had an issue with that. Uh, then of course the whole thing about Kyle Seeger goes and he tells the media, they didn't even try and contact me to tell me they were going to decline my option. It's not true. It's simply not true. We were told that the Mariners reached out to Kyle Seeger and his agent several times to ask about what 
his plans were for the 2022 season and you know what they were pl- trying to do with his option and Seager didn't respond his agent didn't respond they ignored them now why would you do that you might ask so that you can go out and say that the Mariners screwed you and you could try and bury the Mariners on your way out of town Kyle Seager is a liar he tried to use his influence to uh talk people out of getting medical procedures that they thought they needed or that they did need whatever and he tried to burn the ground on the way out of town Kyle Seager was a bad teammate at the end of the day the players love him right the guys in the clubhouse they love him that's Seeks yeah, whatever J- J- JP Mitch all those guys yeah love him. of course yeah, yeah, yeah right so that's the player they're gonna have the players back but what Kyle Seager attempted to do to Jerry Depoto and the front office and the Mariners organization as a whole on his way out of town it's pretty slimy. So that's the issue with Seager. Uh, he was, he wasn't a good dude at the end of the day. He was a distraction his last year in Seattle. It's a bummer that that's how it had to end. Did I get a little bit of joy after, you know, the Mariners make the playoffs the first year he's not on the team. Yeah. A little, not going to lie mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, don't be a bad teammate. Kyle Seager was, was a jerk plain and simple. I was told by someone that I, I trust very much who who would definitely be in the know a long time ago. I got a random message on, on Twitter from from them saying um, it's a lot worse than you think it is. Yeah, that's just what we were told, too, by the way. And uh, and I believe um, Divish was also Divish also reported the thing about him ignoring uh, the the mm-hmm. yep. um, uh, the the club reaching out to him. Um Maybe I'm incorrect on, on who reported that. I, I I believe someone did though in the Seattle. Uh, that's the Seattle that's game. common knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Um, and wasn't that what sparked Divish to like uh, make an apology and all that about his reporting? There was like a whole thing on Twitter where he, he sent out an apology. Yeah, I don't remember if it was that. I'm or not, not sure. I, yeah, the last couple of years have been kind of a uh, kind of yeah. a blur, but yeah, lots um, happened the last few years. So. Yeah, lot, lots 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 gone down. Yeah. But yeah, um. Yeah, you know, I I just in in terms of Seager overall as a player, I appreciate everything that he did for the city and for the organization. Mm -hmm. Um, And he he certainly is a uh, a legend in the organization and and one that should be recognized in the Mariners Hall of Fame uh, here Mm -hmm. uh, pretty soon. Absolutely. Uh, But yeah, the the way that his uh, tenure here uh, came to an end. Um, does leave a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth. And, you know, again, this is all he said, she said, and who knows what exactly is, is fact and, and all that stuff. But, uh, just from whatever, from everything that I know, um, yeah, th- things could have been handled a lot better on, on Kyle Seeger's right. end, as well as the Mariners end, maybe a little bit, who knows, but yeah. I just, I don't think the Mariners owe anything to Kyle Seeger. Just to be honest, I, I just, I don't think that. Sure. They owe explanations or, or anything for anything that they did. Uh, but Seeger didn't leave gracefully and was an active uh, issue in the Mariners clubhouse and, and hostile towards Scott and Jerry uh, at the end. And, and that's really what it's all about. So, you know, time heals all wounds. But uh, yeah, like I'm with Ty. Like I look at Seeger a little bit differently than I did three years ago. Yeah, I do too. Yep. All right. Next question comes from Langston. Uh, very simple question here. Who is the opening day designated hitter for the Mariners? I mean, that's, that's the question of the day, isn't it? Uh, who, who is going to be the DH for the Mariners on, on opening day? Well, if you want to specifically talk about opening day right now, I'm sure your question is asking us, is asking us to make a a big grand statement here. Uh, but, uh, I, I think more simply, like if we just want to get into the nitty gritty of this on opening day, 
Guardians are most likely going to be running out Shane Bieber, uh, righty. Uh, so I would suspect that maybe it's a lefty. Maybe the Mariners just want to get their best nine in there. So yeah, that would be Pollock. Uh, but if not, if they are playing some matchups, if Scott Service wants to play the handedness game like he typically does, Tommy LaStella maybe, uh, Dark Horse Taylor Trammell, um, or maybe Teoscar Hernandez DHs, and they have some combination mm-hmm. of Kelnick or Trammell and you know Pollock or what have you in the outfield. Um, but yeah, I don't I. Like I, I assume this again. This question is trying to make is trying to get us to make a bigger, grander statement about some addition that they could make here. I don't think they are uh, right now. I just don't foresee it um, with everything that we've heard from from Jerry Depoto. I, you know, we've heard some things that they're still trying to acquire uh, both pitchers and, and hitters right now. But uh, who who knows uh, if that's actually gonna gonna happen here? So yeah. right now, my bet is on some form of Listella, Pollock, Teoscar, one of those guys being the DH on, on opening day against Shady. If you're asking specifically just on opening day, I think it's Pollock. I think they give it to the the veteran uh, and mm-hmm. the guy that they're kind of banking on more than any of the other guys mentioned to have a good year for them. So I think, you know, Kelnick will be in left field, Pollock will DH. And then I think a majority of the time, it's going to be a bit of a platoon. You know, uh, Moran is, is somebody to throw in there. Listella Pollock will get some DH days against uh, right-handed pitching still. Um, and like Ty said, you know, it's possible that that Trammell makes the team or, uh, you know, they, they make a small trade at the end of spring training, but specifically for opening day, I would say that uh, AJ Pollock's probably in the lineup. All right. We got a, f- couple more questions uh to go over here in just a moment but real quick a reminder this episode of locked on mariners is brought to you by built bar looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories then you got to try a built bar we just got through the holidays and i know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year and if you're like me where you want to eat healthier but don't want to compromise taste man i've got just the thing for you you got to try built with built healthy is actually tasty seriously they're so delicious you won't think they're good for you perfect for your new year's resolution and what makes built bar so good well for starters they are all covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they are healthy. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now, you don't need to wait around to get yourself a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built bars at Built.com. Now, you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam club that's right head to your nearest walmart today walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of built bars you can pick up a four bar box of cookies and cream double chocolate or coconut puffs and if you're close to sam's club run in and grab a 13 bar box with our hit flavors brownie batter and churro you can thank me later all right let's uh get into these last couple questions here colby we got one here from Duffy, who uh, asks, uh, from one through eight, in what order would you rank the current Mariners bullpen arms? All right. So, you want to start from one? You want to start from eight? Where, where do you want to? Where do you want to start here? Let's start from the top. All right. So, Andres Munoz, right? Yep. Easy. Yep. Easy. Now, there's a little bit of a debate here, maybe. Matt Brash, Paul Seawald. Really, Seawald over Brash still. I just trust him a little bit more right now. Okay. I just, I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm still worried about Brash throwing enough strikes. I'm going to go Brash because I have to. I have to go Matt Brash. Mm. 
Yeah. Uh, so so Seawald three for me, Brash three for you. Brash yeah. eight for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, Brash yeah. is three. Yeah. Okay. Um, now this is where it gets even more interesting. So is it Diego Castillo? Is it maybe a dark horse like a Matt Festa here? Like, wh- what are you thinking? I feel like it's kind of Matt Festa. <laughs> Uh, to be honest with you, I just strikeouts. I, yeah. I mean, they're legit. Yeah. Uh, like Diego probably is number four on the Mariners pecking order. Uh, but I, I'd probably still trust Vesta a little bit more than, than Diego at this stage. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I trust Vesta more. Uh, Diego, Diego's fun when he's, uh, got his stuff in order, but it's, it's yeah. so, <laughs> It's so hit and miss. You never sometimes. know. I just, you just, you never know. Yeah, Diego Castillo is like a box of chocolates. Um, sure. All right. So yeah, I'll I'll go. I'll agree with you there. I'll go Festa four. I'll go DBB five. Sure. Um, and then all right. So we get into the group of like Trevor Gott, Penn Murphy, mm-hmm. uh, the guys that are essentially competing to enter the bullpen. Um. Unless I'm missing someone. Am I missing someone? Am I doing that thing again where I'm missing someone obvious? I don't think so. I'm looking at their roster right now. So, yeah, out of all this, uh, out of this hodgepodge of relievers here, who are you going with at number five? I think I'm going Penn Murphy. Yeah, it's probably Penn. And then uh, Penn Murphy and then probably Gott at six. Yeah. And then, and then seven and eight is like Topa just flexing. based off of, yeah, like just based off of what Jerry has said, essentially. Cause like, I don't know. Right. Like Jerry, Jerry, Jerry says the metrics are great on Justin Topa. I have no idea. The he's, you know, I, I guess he's one of those pitch grade uh, poppers, right? <laughs> so, yeah. PGPs. PGPs. Yeah. So I'll just say Topa seven and you know what? Isaiah Campbell eight. Even though he's probably not going to make the bullpen out of camp, but whatever. No, I mean, I'll stick to the spirit of it. Flexen, assuming he doesn't get traded, sure, uh, is like probably last. Um, I think instead of like Topa, though, I, I think I'll probably go Clark at seven just because he's on the 40 man. Oh, okay. no, is Top- Topa's no, on no, the 40 man, too? Top- yeah, 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 yeah. So, mm, I want to rule five. Do you do you want some other options? No, I mean like there's Clark, right? There's, there's Campbell. There's uh, Easton McGee, your favorite. <laughs> uh, your other favorite, Bernardino, uh, Taylor sure. Saucedo. Yeah, Saucy. Yeah, yeah. Gabe Spire. Ooh, okay. And, yeah, and and of course one ten. <laughs> yeah, and Brennan Bernardino. Don't forget Brennan Bernardino. And Brent, uh, yeah, and Brennan Bernardino. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, nah, I think I'll probably go with. Uh, hmm. By the Topa's way, guy. how has Juan Ten survived the winter? That's crazy. I don't, right? I don't know. We say the same thing about Brennan Bernardino. Like he's the guy they're going to DFA. Nope. Um, I'll tell you what, I think Gabe Spire's got a shot here, but uh, okay, yeah. Uh, I'll say because Jerry seems to really like him. I'll say Topa and then Flexen. Same. So I have Munoz, Seawald, Brash, Festa, Castillo, Murph or Gott, Murphy, I, I, 
Yeah, I think our lists are essentially the same, except for two and three are flipped. Yeah. And yeah. we both kind of pick. Yeah. yeah. It's it's pretty much chalk with these guys. I mean, you, you kind of right. know, you know, what their uh, ranking is and the overall hierarchy of the Mariners bullpen. So then yeah. there's like five or six guys who are competing for the last bullpen spot. Yeah. And so it's, um, it's, I, I essentially trust all of those guys about the same, which is really not right. at all because I don't know anything about them outside of right. what. By I the way, a little bit. like a, a dark horse, non 40 man guy, apparently AJ Puckett. Um, oh yeah I, yeah i heard. I don't know if you that. saw that video i did uh, and see saw, the numbers, on, I saw, saw the numbers on i saw the numbers on, on, yeah, from like, joe yeah 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 i saw what joe posted about <laughs> aj puckett all right yeah, yeah. There, there's some legitimate stuff there all right like yeah. he, he he jumped up a little bit and and so yeah no, don't Sattler, sleep on aj puckett well. yep, yep. Mm-hmm. yeah so, so yeah. uh they got a lot of fun options this year i'm i'm actually really excited about the bullpen competition uh coming up here in a in a couple of weeks mm-hmm. this is uh this is going to be pretty fun to to sort through and yep. they have depth because i mean injuries are going to happen it's just the sure. the way things are i know they were remarkably healthy especially in the in the rotation this past year but that stuff you know not not trying to curse the mariners here fingers crossed knock on wood all that good stuff but uh yeah i, I there's you're you're gonna need some depth there and so they, they right. have some interesting arms to pull I, from yeah i would just say there's a lot of really good stuff competing for that last spot yeah. And it's possible that two of those guys make it because either they trade flex in or one of those guys just leapfrog somebody like Penn Murphy. Right. Or, or FESA or someone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or injuries. Yeah. Or yeah, they trade, whatever. you know, Diego or blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All right. Mm-hmm. Last question of the day comes from Whiskey. Not a Mariners question per se, however, interested in y'all's thoughts, especially given the MLB network failed contracts with YouTube, what can Major League Baseball and teams like the Mariners do to connect with younger audiences and recapture lost viewership? Um, maybe, you know, uh, promote your players. That would be a good start. You know, when I was a kid, baseball players were like superheroes. You know, and nowadays I maybe it's just now I'm an adult and I just don't have that perspective anymore. But I don't feel like there's a single major league baseball player out there right now that, that kids can look to like a like freaking superhero. I mean, I look at Julio, Julio like a superhero. I look at Julio as a superhero personally, but I don't think major league baseball is doing a great enough mm-hmm. job to make Julio look like a superhero yeah. overall. Every promo you run, major league baseball, should have Julio prominently featured on it. Yeah. Because Julio, is, it should have Otani, it should have Trout, yep. it should have all these guys. Yeah, yeah, like, like I'm not, I'm not making this about the cover thing, but like Jazz Chisholm, I like Jazz. He's a good player. He's yeah. a fun player. You should not be trying to make that guy the face of your of of your sport. I'm sorry, um, but yeah, I think it starts there. First of all, though, Ty, did you say the YouTube? The YouTube. I thought I mean, you said. With them being canceled on the YouTube, you old man. Uh, well, but, I, I just I read the question verbatim, especially given MLB Network no, failed you, contracts you, with you, YouTube. Nope. All right, all right. I guess I added the YouTube. You said the YouTube. We'll, Anyways, we'll, we'll, we'll roll the tape back. Actually, we won't because we're too lazy. <laughs> no, but yeah, no. Yeah. Um, but anyways, um, Major League Baseball has an issue that stems from one fundamental principle and it is that they are more worried about keeping old fans than they are about acquiring new fans mm. um 
And I know the old, the old adage is, you know, it's easier to keep a, a customer than it is to get a new one. It's, it's a lot cheaper. True. But there's an issue when your old customer is frankly dying, right? Major League Baseball is still extremely popular with the 50 plus group. Those folks are dying, you know, and, and you, you haven't done enough to, to bring in the 18 to 34s. That's the issue with Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball also has an issue in that they try to do this thing where they're like the NBA, like Sunday night baseball. And, oh, my God, it's it's Dodgers, Giants. You know who cares about Dodgers, Giants? Dodger fans and Giants fans. Nobody else. Major League Baseball is a regional game. The regional networks, the regional ratings for teams are better than ever. They're not having issue drawing regional games. It's the nationally televised games that they're having issues with because baseball isn't the NBA, right? Baseball is about teams. The NBA is about players, right? And football is just in a league of its own right now in the U.S. So they can they can pull, you know, a seven share on on Jaguars Titans on Thursday night football. Who cares? Um, so yeah, it's a little different, uh, but they they tried to do this thing where they are. We need to make sure that we don't lose any of our 65 plus viewers, which you're losing anyways, because unfortunately they're getting old. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but we yeah. also need to make sure that we don't allow the guys to celebrate because we have a different code and, and mm-hmm. you know, we're not worried about the 18 to 34s because why? Cause we're not, we don't have them now anyways. And, and you know what I mean? Like it's just this whole vicious circle where major league baseball is so worried about maintaining like, their code and keeping their aging quickly aging fan base that for two decades, they essentially ignored anybody 35 and younger. And now they're paying the price for it because now they have to try and play catch up. Yeah. It's just, it's a marketability issue. And, and, you know, Mm -hmm. The, the thing too, and we could have a, a really long, we could do this whole podcast about this. So I'll try to just summarize my thoughts here, but I mean, it can be, you know, from the the type of commentators you're getting that tell mm-hmm. the story of the game on these nationally televised broadcasts and whatnot, you know, you need people that can really engage, especially with a younger audience, to get them interested in the game and make the game cool because the game is cool, right? Mm-hmm. But the game at face value to kids that are you know growing up watching the NBA right now and everything that's going on in that league, like you got to do a lot to catch their attention. You have to do a lot here. You have to do a lot to not necessarily convert them, but to say, hey, come over here. We're doing some cool stuff over here too. And so the the big issue with that, right, is like not marketing their players well, doing things on social media, like taking down clips and, you know, all the copyright strikes. And they've gotten a little bit better about that, I think. Yeah. But there's but that's been a pretty big issue in the past. Um, you know, right. it's just because uh, the thing too, like the thing that Major League Baseball does really well the one thing that I'll give them is this, and it's really, it's not necessarily Major League Baseball itself, but it's just kind of the the sport in general, is that they make so much information and data easily available. Mm-hmm. No other sport really does that, right? You look at football, you got to pay for PFF and SIS and all those outlets. Right. Hockey, it's, hockey is still complicated to get any sort of like advanced stats or anything right. like that. You know, basketball, I'm, I haven't watched much basketball lately, but I, I'm, Pretty sure yeah, basketball. There's, like the bas- there's like the basketball advanced, references of the world and whatnot. But yeah, yeah, but their advanced stat is like plus and minus. <laughs> like, right, like, right, yeah. So yeah, ba- you're right. Baseball does do a really good job of making that information available. Yeah, um, they don't do a great job of marketing it. 
Yeah. But they do, do they do a good job of making it available. And that's why I think that they should be lax-ish with like going after content creators who use their their clips. I mean, obviously, like, no, you can't put a whole game on your YouTube channel, right? But if you want to use a 15-second clip, we're not going to come after you. Like we we don't care. Get the game out there. Let's right. make it available to everybody. Well, and, and that's speaking of which, the growth of basketball, right? Content right? creators on YouTube. You know the guys like right. on the Bleacher Report and Chris. Smooth the NBA, and all these dudes. Yeah, the NBA, as far as I know, is a lot more lenient with who they go after on mm-hmm. in terms of like using their uh, like clips from their games and whatnot. So, uh, Major League Baseball should adopt that because you know most kids they're not watching MLB Network anymore. A lot of people use YouTube, right? And they'll go on and they'll watch. Oh, I like Jazz Chisholm. I'm going to go watch this video on Jazz Chisholm, right? Yeah. And that gets guys, that gets people to pay attention to your game. And I guess finally, while we're at it, we might as well just say it in the blackout restrictions. It's the dumbest yeah. thing ever. You're yeah. Trying to force people to pay for cable in an era where cable sucks. Nobody wants to pay for cable. Well, and more people would buy MLB TV and therefore watch yeah. more games. Exactly. So I just, if you already have MLB TV and you want to watch the Yankees and the Orioles play, right? Because if the Orioles win, you can clinch the playoff spot tonight. Gee, that mm. sounds familiar, right? Well, I'm mm. not going to buy that that package for one game if I can't watch any of my team's games. And as we mentioned at the beginning, baseball is a regional game. You care about your team and nobody else's team for the most mm. part, Right. Yeah. So, yeah, MLB Network needs to end their stupid blackout restrictions. They need to get out of bed with cable companies and understand that cable is the way of the past. Now it's all about streaming. They need to make that accessible to people without having to pay. Hey, by the way, now in order to get Mariner games on a streaming service, great. It's 80 bucks a month on top of the cable that you already pay for. That's 120 bucks a month. Right. You know, I mean, it just it's dumb. It's absolutely dumb in the blackout restrictions. Get your game on as many platforms as you possibly can and screw the rest. The rest will come. Well, and and because, and when you do that, right, you open the door for content creators that have platforms Mm -hmm. to essentially promote your game for free. Free advertising. Who are watching watching all the games. I think of a guy like Rob Perez who uh, watches all the basketball games and he talks about all the basketball games that are happening on Twitter and he does like streams mm-hmm. and all this stuff talking about the like the the night in the league, right? Yeah. And you could have people doing that for Major League Baseball and it would get huge because people like if if you deliver your product in a way that is accessible for people, especially for folks that are Colby and I's generation or the generations behind us, you're going to find success here and, and, and mm-hmm. building and, and growing your game. Um, yeah. You know, it's just, it's, it's about making baseball cool again, essentially. Yep. Right. Because you are fighting with the NBA, which has a lot of personalities and a lot of stars and, and celebrates of, it and, and memes and all this stuff. Right. And, and same with, you know, football too, to a certain mm-hmm. degree, but you know, there's just, there isn't a lot of individuality in baseball right now when there should be yeah Yeah. and 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 there should be right because like Mm -hmm. when again when i was growing up there was individuality in baseball you know there was like the the stars right there were the barry bonds of the world and whatnot you know and and Derek jeter etc growing up so an intro um and you know whether you watch the team religiously or watch the league religiously or you just kind of watch it every now and then you knew who those guys were 
if I showed a picture of Mike Trout, like, like, or here, I could show like my wife who doesn't watch sports at all, a picture of LeBron James. She knows who that is automatically. If I show her a picture of Mike Trout, who's essentially the LeBron James of baseball, she has no clue who that guy is. Yeah. She's just a random white dude, <laughs> you know, to her. Like, that's it. So, yeah. All right. Well, we're way over time. Again, surprise, surprise. Look at us. Uh, but that's going to do it for our show. Thank you so much for joining us here. And thank you guys uh, for all of your questions. Uh, we got a lot of submissions this week. So sorry to those of you that we didn't answer. I think Colby might be uh, going on Twitter and answering some of those uh, that were left unanswered uh, like he does uh, pretty much every week uh, that we do one of these mailbag shows. So uh, keep an eye out for that if your question did not get answered on here. Uh, but for Colby Patnode, I'm Tidying Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez, that's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z, and Colby at CPAT11, that's C-P-A-T-1-1. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. And thank you again for making us your first listen. Now make your second listen locked on MLB Prospects. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts just like us. And with that, have yourself a beautiful baseball day, and we'll see you on Wednesday. Peace.